everybody. Welcome to Zero Authority. I'm Corey. And I'm Will. <laughs> it's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. So this week, uh, sad and depressing. Yeah, yeah. Like, unfortunately, like the last 130 days or so. Yeah, I was I was sitting watching all of the news on, like, an old television that was dragged into the room. And it, <laughs> and it played in black and white. And I was sitting, watching this speech. And I thought to myself, nothing is more fitting than watching Donald Trump pull out of the Paris Accords in yeah. high contrast in black and white. Did you like move into the undisclosed location? Yeah. The basement yeah. somewhere basement because you somewhere. don't feel safe anymore? Absolutely. <laughs> no, you have like an old yeah. no, big that, fat TV. The FD, like the FBI is hunting me down because they replaced <laughs> James Comey and now they're finding all of those working oh, in the goodness. underground resistance. I could, yeah, okay. <laughs> I think we, yeah, there's, there's threat. Yeah. For our health and safety. Absolutely. Because our 20 listeners. That was 25 now. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start a small revolution. <laughs> maybe we'll, our neighborhood. Maybe we'll take over Boca Raton. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah. I, yeah, let's dig into the details. So uh, the Paris Accord. Gone. We, I mean, we knew that was going to happen. Yeah. I, I think those people that were saying, well, Ivanka Trump will come in. The yeah. daughter of the president will change. People looking for something. Any type of hope. Yeah. And the thing is, I think that... The importance of gaining a win with his supporters was more important than anything else. That seems to have been a huge theme for them because early on they brought it out and said, here's all the things we've done so far that we said we will do. They said, hey, first 100 days president, no one's accomplished more of their campaign goals than we have, even though they're pretty much pulling this shit out of thin air. Uh, They're not actually looking at the numbers. But it seems to be an incredibly important thing to them. Yeah, they need to have wins. That's kind of their currency is whether or not they get something through, something passed. And usually what they do is they tend to conflate like a legislative win with just an executive action, like the right. ability to pull out of an international accord. So these multilateral agreements, they're really up to the president's um, – at least it's up to his discretion as to whether or not the United States follows through, uh, whether that's elements of the Treaty of Versailles uh, – or the Paris Accords. And to say that this was something that he pulled off, no. This was walking in, making a, a kind of a brash statement, and then walking out of the Rose Garden. This wasn't some orchestrated political move that, that took uh, a ton of negotiation within the House and Senate. This was just him saying, we're out of the Paris Accords. Yeah, he just had to show up and, and, and let inaction drive him. Yeah, so right? he said to not do anything. He's going to frame this as he accomplished something, and people, unfortunately, yeah. some people are going to view it as an accomplishment. But this isn't anything to, to hang no. your hat on or to say that you you pulled off or no. uh, did in the face of actual conflict. You just decided not to do it. And that was it. What what he's doing is essentially he's saying that the United States isn't going to play this role anymore. Right? He inadvertently said that because he complained about some of the elements. Uh, he's always had concerns about. Uh, the position of China in these uh, in these talks, and the reality is, it's a lot harder to get along with a state that's been described as kind of internationally belligerent when it comes to these small issues, right? And the United States. So he was saying that we're not getting a fair deal, so we're out. Right. Um, and I think this is a problem that a lot of people have had with conservatives across the board and i'm not labeling trump as a conservative but this is a move that the far right would have taken so um i'll pin that uh, on it a better deal is always better but that's not the nature of what a deal is yeah right? and, and better deals are rarely available so the reality here is that this isn't a win for the united states it's not immediately a loss right because a lot of these uh 
regulations, these international regulations that are going to impact corporations and international entities more than they are individual states. Sure. Um, they haven't been put into effect yet. So right. this was just kind of like Cartman throwing his toys and saying, I'm going home, <laughs> right? This, this wasn't exactly some like, he's not playing five-dimensional chess. He's just flipping over the checkers table. Yeah, and this plan was the one, like you said, it's, it's not something that has been implemented and in place for two to three years, and we have to rewind things and, and put old uh, infrastructure in place or old, old rules in place. But it was the plan, you remember at the time, that was the one thing that actually kind of gave the scientific community hope. Yeah. Because if you looked at the numbers of where things were heading, we were quickly approaching a cliff that once we fell off, there was no coming back. Yeah, I'm really bummed. When I was uh, in freshman year of college, I made a whole like presentation about the Paris Accords. I was like, <laughs> but there's hope. You're like, I'm like junior. a little, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did well on that project. <laughs> but uh, now, now it's all gone to the wind. So here we are. And. I think what we should do is talk about a little bit about the international responses and then uh, people who have worked in government for a long time, how they feel about, about Trump taking Well, let me get action. one bash on Trump thing out of the way before we dive cool. into that. Then. Do cool. you actually think he or anyone else believed they could renegotiate this deal? No. Because, I mean, you, you had to just look at it and have one conversation with those who are involved to understand that there is no renegotiating this deal is you're either going to participate in it or you're gonna be left behind yeah we've joined the humble ranks of syria now and not signing on to this accords and i think it's probably not that they wouldn't it's just that they're probably a little preoccupied with something else right now to talk about international agreements well the time it was being signed pressure from russia as well right there's partnerships there that they're going to want to see them align with them yeah also also a uh, a six-year-long civil war yeah doesn't help um not their greatest concern. But let's dive into the bits that you were talking about. Yeah, the so consequences. maybe we should just talk about our closest allies and how they feel about where we are. Okay. So Justin Trudeau, deeply disappointed. Yep, of course. Emmanuel Macron, a little bit more fiery about it. Uh, the United States has abandoned the world, but we will not abandon America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Mr. Macron is playing uh, a little bit of a, a game of word chess. I love uh, this guy. Yeah, I, I, I actually kind of like this guy. Now. The open invitation, you know, to American scientists, engineers, yeah. while your country may not support the same beliefs you have, we will. Yeah. Come join us. Literally just, which is so brilliant in the sense that you can turn this into an opportunity to strengthen your own economy, your own capabilities to respond to this agreement. Yeah. Um, really smart. You, you would have expected or hoped Trudeau would have done something as well, being a closer Well, Trudeau's neighbor. already already allowing data miners to work in uh, in Canada to maintain the international database pertaining mm, to okay. the shift in climate. So he's actually on board. He's kind of doing a similar thing with Macron. I don't know if what Macron said was more posturing than, than like a reality, but we'll see. Yeah. Right. Um, Who else falls into the... Merkel. Yeah, I would assume Germany. <laughs> uh, Germany, Luxembourg... The Eastern Bloc, they're all kind of laughing at the United States. And I'm assuming that this isn't this isn't a new feeling for us. We've been laughed at before. For a very long right? time. Like, give it, I, I'd say maybe since our initial invasion of Iraq, we yeah. probably. Well, and, and the probably tail end of Vietnam, too. probably. So. Yeah, I mean, if you talk about the Scandinavians have been laughing us for other on health care. Yeah. Um, how we treat the poor. Uh, this is just another... Another time on the timeline, another notch on the timeline where yeah, and we just I, didn't get it. And then I think the other dynamic is how 
scared individuals who have worked within places like the State Department, which really manage yeah. uh, our international diplomatic efforts, and then the EPA. People who have been in the EPA for 20 years now leaving. Oh, there's got to be a mass uh, outflow yeah. and of people. Also, a lot of the advisors, the the kind of top profile advisors like Elon Musk, who is really more like a charm on a bracelet. I don't think he had really much of an impact. I think he wanted to. Any of those. I think that, yeah, that council maybe. wanted to try and influence things as much as they could. Maybe. Uh, he's gone now. Iger's gone. A yeah. number of uh, industry, quote-unquote, titans sitting on that council have, have uh, Since fled because stepped out. the reality is it's going to damage those industries. Yeah, it's the an incredibly unpopular position. Yeah, no, but it's the thing is, it's popular with that twelve percent of America that will be behind him no sure. matter what, and he just has to stoke that flame. Also, this is going to sound really stupid, but let me throw it out there because then you can tear it to pieces. So, <laughs> I actually think that a big element of this major policy decision had to do with deflecting interest from issues like Russian involvement in the election, because we know Megyn Kelly was hosting that forum. Um, and we know that she'll be airing an interview, I think, on NBC or something with Vladimir Putin himself, where that is essentially the entire topic. This becomes a major news story, and it kind of drowns out the importance of that. I don't think there's anything to tear apart there. I mean, I think it's – we've seen a lot of evidence that shows that this administration is not that strategic, uh, not that broad in the things that they consider in their their broader strategy for – what the administration aims to do short, medium, long-term and how to get there. Yeah. I think they definitely have shown, however, that they care deeply about disassociating themselves with any of these Russian uh, allegations. And so I think, yeah, I think you're probably spot on that this the, is The concern then becomes, are they still in campaign mode? Right? I, I think they want to win the day. I don't think they have a different... I think I think their campaign mode... You, like, normally you would think of a politician as being in campaign mode. Yeah. Being in fundraising mode, being in, well, now I'm on office mode and I yeah. don't have to worry about campaigning. I think that's just them. I think that's how they're driven. I think that's how he built his that's, business. That's I think really that's true. how the people around him tend to function. And because they're so similar, that's how they get brought into the, like, the circle of loyalty. Because if you listen to banks that have lent to him before that won't lend to him anymore, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, in, in negotiations, he'll just say, I'll get it to you next week. Yeah. Right, he just needs to get through that meeting. He doesn't really care about what tomorrow holds. Yeah, that that was always the concern with lenders, uh, as it pertained to Donald Trump. Yeah, without his name and without the association to his father, and without his father's relationships with these execs at these banks, he would have been just another failed businessman that got thrown yeah. out as soon as his loans defaulted. Yeah, but that's the only thing that continued to prop him up. Nothing that he did individually. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of well, and now we're spinning this. We're kind of dipping out of the accords and into yeah, we'll we'll get back or Trump it. bashing, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I, to answer your question, no. I don't think that um, So he made a, a major policy decision about the United States pertaining to our position globally as leaders in – I hate the term new energy because there's no new or old energy. There's merely energy to be harnessed. Sure. So in modern energy, um, he's decided to put us in the backseat for maybe just the survival of a news day. I think it's all ego-driven because – I don't know how much he cares about or derives um, significant bits from data and from numbers. Yeah, I mean, if he won't read something there. He won't read briefings, and I don't know if this is. true. Well, let's think about it. So, outside of being president, yeah, let's say just running a business, mm -hmm. 
um, if, if you're looking at the market now and if you started looking at the market within the last 10 to five years, you know, right now there are more solar jobs than coal, nuclear and other forms. More of energy people combined. are employed by Arby's than in the entire <laughs> coal industry. This 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 idea that that we can bring back the titan that is coal mining is absurd. He ma- He's making the argument that he's doing this for lots of different reasons. But the only one that's actually true is the fact that it's ego driven. And this is these were promises that he made on the campaign trail that he just doesn't want to be shown to be backing out of or to not fulfill it's an ego thing yeah because there are no numbers to support an argument that says this is economics yeah we're driving this by financial and i think one thing we need to do given the fact that the sort of the core of this podcast here is to talk about it from the perspective of someone that has no idea you know what goes on in these meetings uh what goes on on capitol hill outside of outside of uh to be fair to him. No, no. Yeah, no, go. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, no, I, to fine. be fair to him and along that theme, I think the messaging that he uses works well because a lot of times it's just statements that you can't really say. Refute. Yeah. Because you can't refute I would platitudes. love to make America great again. Yeah. Yes. I will not say no to that. So what do you think right now, given the fact that we're hopefully two normal people? I don't know how long this is going to last before it starts wearing on me and I start <laughs> to become some like shell of, of my former self. But um, – how does it feel to kind of see the United States once again concede its position? Um, for me personally, I don't feel like that was a position we were in during uh, Barack Obama's two terms. Yeah, I felt like we had real leadership there. Yeah, I feel like before that, with with W, that there were moments of that for sure. But generally speaking, he kept the United States and its position is. Um, kind of the leader of the free world, yeah. uh, way overused term, but the idea that we would we would lead and we would try to be innovative and we try to move the country forward. Again, it's this last like 150 days. The free world started Again, with uh, existential philosophy. Corey, <laughs> what is free? There is no free. Um, no one wants to listen to us talk about that. Uh, so, right. It, it feel this is new territory. But I mean, so let me throw the question back to you, sure, because that's my my personal experience with it. How long do you feel like we've been doing what you just described, which is kind of faltering as a country from where we've been historically in our role, you know, around the globe? It, if you look at historical trends, it would probably be. It probably began in the Reagan era, but at least with me, I haven't noticed any significant difference until um, until really we began questioning our position in the TPP. I think mm. that was the beginning of all of this. And I know people are against it for different reasons. That's fine. Sure. But uh, I think to to the level of ease that we had walking away from the table, right, was concerning. Because then when that card fell, it sort of felt like maybe these other multilateral agreements are flimsier than we thought, right? So now we have uh, a kind of a combative White House saying, what we got to do now is renegotiate NAFTA, yeah. right? And <laughs> and that's just our regional positioning. Yeah. Um, so the uh, the thing that... <laughs> that uh that's really surprising when it comes to to the paris accords is it took us five minutes to pull out of the paris Accords. <laughs> it, it took brexit like 30 yeah. years to finally happen right do you feel when you say us do i feel like i'm do you feel 
a part of that in the face of what we've seen over the last couple of days with mayors and governors and other countries reaching out and then very explicitly separating the American presidency from the American people. Do you feel like you have to be in that us bucket now when it comes to talking about the U.S.? Um, the the faux patriot in me sure uh, says that we have to be, right? We have to, like, we can be ashamed of the actions we're taking, but we can't detach ourselves from our our democratic identity, right? Like we're 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 kind of co-signed to this. Like we have to own yeah. the piece of us that we is don't, Trump right now. Yeah, like I don't have to own it as a Trump voter, but I have to own it as a person whose president is Trump, right? Like I, th- those who were under Nixon, right, during the the campaign in Cambodia or during the uh, the Watergate scandal. The, the, the not everyone voted for Richard Nixon, but you still had to feel that level of shame, and I'm not going to detach myself from that. Yeah, I'm not going to say, well, screw it, I'm an international citizen. Absolutely not. That's like walking away from it. I have to own this, right? I have to own it in the same way that, maybe not in the exact same way that a Trump voter has to own it, but in the way that I, I hope Americans will own it. Because I think what we need to do is we need to see these things, if, if we do believe they are mistakes, right, concede that they are understand that they are and take the criticism that comes with that right because we're living alongside individuals that believe this stuff yet we're not able to change their own personal disposition on these issues yeah and maybe that as far as we look at ways to get better about this right these are the consequences we're dealing with in the moment maybe we don't have to change that person's opinion but maybe we should at least start a conversation. Well, they, we just need to try to get one another a little bit more informed. I'm sure there are things that I'm not aware of that conservatives are aware of. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe yeah, they're not. Of but um, I'm sure that there are things out there that, that, that I should be concerned about that only the right is. Um, mm-hmm. And I can assure you that the way that the Trump resistance has carried itself in the last couple weeks, I'm not particularly proud of. I think that initial march on Washington was great, but I think since then the perpetual outrage is getting really exhausting. Yeah, because I can't be outraged 24/7. No, <laughs> like th- th- at some point this needs to become passive discon like a passive discontent feeling with the White House. You Rat- don't have to like feel bad about it. You don't have to. Put it in the closet yeah. and never feel it, but you have to couple it with this Reason. is what I feel now, what is next, right? To at least start. I don't know what the right word is here because it's not necessarily opening the door yeah. to Republicans because I don't think we have to start saying, well, what percentage of their positions do I need to adopt now in an, you know, an interest to bring us together? But we do have to get past like when all our energy just goes into yeah, because being enraged about be, the moment. There has to a, be a next step for people. Yeah, there was always – historians will always cite like the early 19th century as being like a political civil war that led to a physical civil war. Yeah. Right? Uh, we cannot do that. We, we can't be a country that has two distinct political positions that are almost two different nations. Right, like we're becoming two different national identities, um, and that's not okay. We need to maintain a certain level of cohesiveness. So if that means that I have to tape myself to the 
to the dead escort that is Trump's decision to pull out of the TPP. I'll do that for the sake of maintaining political cohesion, but I don't have to agree with it. Sure. Right. In the same way that we all had to deal with our opposition to the invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan, we still kind of owned it, right? I don't think there was anybody that said, I mean, I'm sure there were celebrities and political activists that did things, but average Americans who were against it that didn't decide that this is now the time that I, you know, detach myself from my national life. Yeah, it was very difficult to, to completely disconnect yourself from that and just pretend like, well, not my vote. Yeah. Um, everyone felt it. Yeah. To, you know, some, to varying degrees. I'm sure there are some people that didn't, but for the most part, the majority did. Um, okay, so in the interest of being better informed uh, around this specific incident, leaving the, the accord, uh, we talked about some of the countries that took so the same position we did, basically, and said, terrible idea, but we're still supporting the idea of the accords. Are there any countries out there that celebrated Trump's position or shared Trump's position publicly? Um. <laughs> I hate, we'll not get to Russia. Russia's, Russia's always excited when there's international chaos because it means that they can, they, they, Russia's positioning is just that um, the United States, the, the hegemonic order that exists now, right, with whether it's the EU or the UN, they kind of want to dismantle those those supranational structures. Or at least that's the way it feels as, as an average viewer. Um no, there aren't many countries that, that, that said, yeah, this is terrible. I mean, the thing is, the, the Paris Accords are, it's a complex, it's a complex system. Like, it's a complex piece of international litigation because we understand as, as, a, as a global community that it will impact different countries in different ways, right? There are countries that are just on the cusp of industrialization that you don't want to take that ability to industrialize and better their people and pull the general populace out of poverty for the sake of uh, for the sake of maintaining this <laughs> maintaining the planet. Uh, but <laughs> I hope that people understand what I mean, or that yeah, Dan, that Dan understands what I mean, um, <laughs> because I'm not against the Paris Accords, but I am against. You know, trying to treat everyone equally because the United States emits more carbon than places like Myanmar. But the accords didn't really fall into that category. No. There was no the accords. The accords representation for different countries yeah. and different states. And the biggest complaint about it from conservatives was that China was getting a buy and that they weren't going to follow the rules anyway. So what's the point? But the reality is that goes back to the concept of like just basic international politics, right? Or, or just politics of this room, right? There is a law that if I try to strangle you and kill you, that that's not going to be okay. <laughs> but in all reality, there's nothing stopping me from attempting to do that other than those ramifications. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that the law shouldn't exist. Yeah. But also, the Paris Accords are not as binding as a law. So they, they said that, well... China's not going to follow it to a T, so we should just pull out of it entirely. That's insane. Yeah, and it's also ignoring the fact that China spends more money going to solar and, and uh, alternative fuels because than they, any other country. Yeah, because the they, evidence they see that the United States is conceding uh, that position, and if they can become the providers of that service and that product, that they can profit off of it. And even less replacing the United States, it just makes economic sense. Yeah. There's, you don't need an argument other than that. I saw a great comic 
uh, in the newspaper, uh, traditional comic drawn up that has a guy in the, the audience protesting uh, against the list on the board that says, you know, everything that's great about going to a clean economy, you know, longer life, less strain on the planet, cleaner water, <laughs> greater health for everybody. And the guy's screaming about, you know, losing a political position and just ignoring all the great benefits. Like, put your politics aside. You may not believe in global warming. You may not believe in any of the climate change stuff, but you can't deny yeah, the, benefits, <laughs> the factual benefits the, of the this The benefits change. to industry are immense. Yeah. I mean, the, and society the as incentives well. that were going to companies like ExxonMobil yeah. were insane. I mean, there's no way that 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 the energy the the energy industry is going to support the idea of the United States pulling out of the Paris Accord. Of course not, no. Because just on a, a monetary basis, and no one should expect it, that. It was going. The thing is, it was going to make investing in clean energy. Uh, because these have all become stigmatized terms. I feel like I have to put on like a bandana and like a Janis Joplin T-shirt. <laughs> but um, the the benefits that were that these co- uh, companies are going to yield were not de minimis. So the the truth of the situation is that this was a, an entirely political move. But I'm interested to see what the benefit is politically for Trump. I want to know how this is going to play with the general public because it seems like there are people who are just not content with any decision he makes, even those who kind of voted for him. It's weird. What do you think their measure is to internally say this worked or this didn't? uh, Jobs. And that's that's just not going to happen. So I just don't know. The thing is... What about the political measure? The Republicans in Congress have kept their mouth shut about this. So if 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 it was the Republican Party saying no to the Paris Accords, right, then it'd be one thing, right? Because then it'd be a success of the Republican Party. They could spin it as like no longer will we be held hostage by the international community. The United States is its own international actor, and it can do things that it wants to do. This was just Trump going out to the Rose Garden making a speech and his own staffers clapping. Yeah. You know, so it, it's cringe-inducing. and. I feel bad politically for Republicans because I don't know how they're going to play this. I just think they won't. I think they've found a way to disconnect themselves from Trump. We're when they already want seeing to. the division, though. I mean, Mitt Romney doesn't play to Trump's tune on this one. You know, he's vehemently out against the idea, and you've got some Republicans that are trying to back the rationalization of this, but. Like you said, well, we Republicans, haven't yet seen all the their positions. Only a few. The Republicans are kind of uh, the two that have come out that that I that I've read. They they just say, well, now what this does is this provides an opportunity for negotiation. No, it does not. If the P five plus one agrees on something, it doesn't matter if the United States throws a temper tantrum in the room. If they've come to a consensus, that's what's happening. And it's not just the P5 plus one. It's the entire international community. So it's this American arrogance to think that what we can do is we can change the entire global agenda. No, it's not going to happen. No. It never has. And I don't think that that was Trump or his his administration's goal. I think that's the view of a lot of um, fanatical, fanatical Trump supporters. They just hold on to that kind of feeling – um, the pep rally at the high school auditorium before the big football game. Like Trump is their guy and they're cheering for him more wildly and believe more fanatically in his ideas. Um, but I don't think within the administration they thought that this was going to increase their influence on the world stage. No, no, They can just flex their muscles. A lot of people 
like I said, the pep rally are expressing those emotions, but I don't think that's what they were doing. Yeah. I, I think I think Trump is still technically the resistance. It, it, because if you see the way that, that Republican media – I mean, not really Republican media because Sean Hannity's not Republican media anymore – um, the no, way that he's fringe now. Yeah, the way that fringe media classifies it is that they're still like raging against some machine. Now it's not the state itself because Trump is the head of state. Right, right. Now it's this deep state that exists, which is a bunch of accountants somewhere yeah. working uh, to try to to try to establish like a report from the CBO. Uh, they're they're the ones. It's it's Jerry. <laughs> like he's Jerry, he's Jerry, the problem Tina, you know it's it's damn them. it's the guys working at the the small uh environmental offices in new jersey that are the problem which is absurd that that these small government it's the people in parks and rec they're they're the real issues yeah uh, they're, they're they're causing all the problems well those numbers are dwindling i would I, I would hope i would hope so a, too at least a slow trickle there are more moderate republicans as, what's really going on. as an average American watching this, there are two ways that this can go. Either there's a total rejection of of what's occurred in the last hundred twenty days. It feels like or two years. I feel like oh, I've yeah. aged. I think yeah. I'm like twenty seven now. And it still, despite it feeling that old, it still feels unbelievable. Like, yeah, I, I can't come to terms with it. This is our reality. I think somebody called it surreal politic, and I, I was like, <laughs> eh, that's that's funny. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 definitely in the position where this can go two ways. Either we in, reject it entirely as a nation, or we slowly buy into it. And that's my concern: is that we get weathered down over time, and then eventually we start to drink the Kool Aid. I think we're pretty stubborn, and I think we're pretty um, strong in our positions. I think we may get worn down with anger and frustration and outrage. I don't feel like the outcome of that being just reluctantly saying okay. This is yeah. the way it has to be. I think we'll continue to fight. I think if anything, it'll be shit. We got two more years until we can displace this guy. And I may check out from the conversation and what's going to happen is going to happen because I tried for two years to change the direction of things and I couldn't. But you'll still but go to God, the ballot box. Yeah. Okay. When year three into year three rolls around, I imagine there's going to be. I don't think Trump can squash the spirit. I, of I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping that some people tune out because I feel like. People need to uh, – sure, Americans need to always be politically active and politically aware. That's what ensures a stable democracy. But also if they're worn down, if if moderates and independents are tired <laughs> of, mm-hmm. of hearing the resistance and the march for this, the march for that, you know, a riot at Berkeley again, um, right. that they're going to say, you know what, grow up. Like we made this decision as a country, and sure, it sucks, but to to set the room on fire every single weekend, I think Americans are slowly going to become tired of of turning on CNN and seeing Jeffrey Lord and some unnamed crazy Democrat <laughs> coming in and just screaming at each other for twenty minutes. It, it's and we can go into a criticism of the media because I think they get a bad rep. But it's not entertaining anymore. It's now becoming really, really tiring. You know, I think I, th- I think the marches with a purpose are important. So if it has to do with women's rights, I think 
agenda items like that have to be pursued physically. I think there needs to be a physical resistance. I think there needs to be marching. I think there needs to be political rallies. But for things like tax returns, that needs to be pursued through the conventional measures. I think there's no – the American people will not get their hands on So you're just Trump's more tax bored of the idea or it's an idea that doesn't – stir any like interest in you individually you it, still it, believe you know everyone's right oh to protest yeah. you exercise that right to it's, protest and you choose to protest against whatever you want to protest yeah. against so but for I, you personally it's just not interesting and i think that the numbers that they've yielded for these protests the last few weeks have improved that now they're in the hundreds i mean well i think some protests are are you protest just for the experience and the outlet of protesting point. you don't expect sure. like you you can't protest him releasing his tax returns. You yeah. can't protest um, executive orders that he can implement uh, or or repeal that aren't up for uh, appeal consideration by the Supreme yeah, Court. Yeah, I'm There's really... stuff that... I'm really I, I happy that, saying, that everybody convert, like convened at LaGuardia and made it even worse to travel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, so I have a little bit of a different position. Sure. That, that's really low on the totem pole for me of things to, to really personally care about i think rage all you want to rage i think as so long too. as you do within the think, constraints of the law and i think that the, that it's your right but it's it's my right to think that it's bit like kind of annoying totally totally there's just you know two dozen things above that that are you know pissing me off or because if i me or i would like to see change if i was an individual in maryland right so i have access to all these things and i can go i i'd probably get tired of marching every single weekend I know it's forcing you to march, though. Yeah, Those sure. Are marching or it's just I, I, my concern is that Americans are going to be burnt out. I think those that are marching are going to have the energy to march till things change. Yeah. And I think to, I I mean, think to your point, it. there are people who turn on the news in the interest of being just informed about what's going on. Yet and the all the media is, is allowing themselves chaos. to be distracted by what is sensationalist. Yeah, or five thousand people have or, can, can have convened here. We don't know why. I mean, as, as a viewer, you wouldn't know why because it would just be. Jeffrey Lord and some unnamed Democrat yelling at one another. And then you turn off the TV and that's it. That's it all would, you know. It would be nice if the news balanced uh, well, just tell informational me what's, bits what? with, with the extreme, you know. But but why are people upset? I think that's the more important thing to discuss. Sure, the, the numbers of individuals there and whether or not a car has been set on fire is important too, maybe for the local news, right? Because somebody's blue Honda is now destroyed. Sure, sure. But for, the, for the, the purpose of like national discord, I think it doesn't – it does a disservice to the individuals who are out in the street to not discuss the issue, but to discuss the ornament or, or the, the, yeah, the, but this the isn't shiny object. New, right? No, this I've, is nothing. Ever since we got 24 hour television news networks, this has been the problem. Yeah. How do you keep eyes locked on the television? People screen? love, and this to is see what riots. they've learned. And this is what they've been doing for two decades. Yeah. So unfortunately it's just more of the same. I mean, I've long ago stopped watching any major News outlet. I think there are a lot of people that probably don't know what happened at Kent State, but they just know that somebody was shot. I, I think you are one of the very, very few in, in your and my age range and that whole spectrum of ages below 60 <laughs> that even watch with great interest and regularity the news like this. No. And they're, they're, there's nothing that's going so to we... more naturally gravitate to these alternative sources. And these networks are just, I think, eventually, you know, Creating their own doom. Yeah. Right? So I, my, my, I mean, my concern is when this becomes old news, right? When the resistance is there and it's always there, but people aren't as interested in hearing about it on the news, right? Either they're participating or they're not. 
Yeah. Right. Um, what's going to happen then for 24-hour news? Because eventually the, the Trump thing will get tired, right? It has to. I, don't, I think the lifespan of 24-hour news networks is about 10 more years. Maybe. At most. And the way they're formed today, I think, of course, something's going to rise up to replace them. I don't think it's going to be 24-hour news networks. People don't have... I mean, there will be... I mean, a handful will survive. But they'll be incredibly niche. Like, they'll be... Like, InfoWars, I promise you, will still be around. And they will have 24-hour programming. Dear God. And save us all. All the equivalents on the other end of the spectrum will still be around. But they'll be highly so, targeted. So we've ensured that that uh, Fedora sales will maintain uh, their significance in the apparel industry. They're not going anywhere. And uh, neckbeard creams. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. You're so mean. No, but they're, they're people too. But they're mean. <laughs> no, they. Uh, yeah. So, I want to actually jump on this niche news thing and tie it back to the Paris Accords. Okay. Where's the outlet to discuss these things? Who who's actually like interested in discussing the importance of of maintaining? Uh, I think the Economist. You know, some of your. Uh, the written publications, those are good forums. There's not really a discussion there, but there is better long-form content. I can't think of a place where you could go to see, listen, uh, listen to... Well, actually, i got to correct that. The podcast arena. There is a lot of good discussion so going here we on are. around this. Yeah, well, well we're at the, we're, at we're like, falling we're at failing like our pond, responsibility. The pond scum level of podcast. Oh, it's not that bad. It's pretty bad. Just yet. We may get there. Um <laughs> But no, so to give some recommendations for stuff like that, Pod Save America, Pod Save the World, those are on the progressive left-leaning side of things. But very specifically, Pod Save the World uh, deals directly with these types of foreign Yeah, I think those are important. It's just like even I don't listen to that stuff all the time. Well, maybe you should yeah, if you're maybe. looking for but, a play. But, but, again, but again, it goes back to that like political-leaning thing, and those people are all former Obama staffers. So, True. so moderate. So their audience is carved out. But I'm okay with the former staffers. Yeah, and no, former... no, no, sure. It's just, it's just like, and I, I think I mentioned like John Favreau last week or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But uh, it's, it definitely appeals to a specific kind of viewer. You're not gonna when you see like former Obama speechwriter. There's gonna be a whole segment of the population that goes, okay, it's gonna be that liberal show. Yeah, but I we can't throw away. Um, experience, expertise. Are and, we becoming one of those? Pot- are, are we like the new media that like talks about media? Is that what we should do? Should we have a whole segment complaining about like other podcasts? Uh, I mean, we complain about a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, because we could like, I have a whole like Joe Rogan thing and like sports radio because I don't listen to sports radio. Oh, but um, all right, well, let's save that for another podcast. Yeah. So we keep this one on the same theme. But I've been listening to sports radio in its various forms and podcasts now for decades. So so we cause, can because I have a little bit of commentary there. But we'll we'll, we'll, right, we'll save, save it for the next one. All right, so. Bring it back to the Paris Accords. Um, there's a part you mentioned earlier that I would actually like to unpack, and I think it has some practical usefulness. You talked about the complexity of the courts themselves um, and how they are designed and what the goals are there to bring about the the outcomes they're looking to achieve. Let's start unpeeling those layers of complexity if we can, because I think people, a lot of people have heard Paris Accords, and yeah, so, it's good for the environment, and that's about as far as it goes. Yeah, so it establishes a bunch of goals that each individual state has to set out to Okay, so how many achieve. states are involved? Everybody except for like four. Okay, so the, the whole planet for the most part. For the most part. And it's all representatives, uh, nation nation representatives. Yeah, and you'd be surprised up. at like the diversity of like the different state levels that are being represented. So for a lot of states, they're sending like, international delegation so it'd be like the equivalent of a hillary clinton 
But for other states, they're they're sending like scientists to represent. Okay. Uh, so a lot of the Scandinavian countries have had like a real like scientific presence in in these discussions, which has really been helpful. Um, what it's trying to do is it's trying to help countries that are having a hard time transitioning to newer forms of energy, but it's also to help. It, it's got it's it's multifaceted. Um, All right, let's pick one facet. Let's start so with let's the so countries. let's just do. I actually think it's easier to unpack it on the larger scale okay. than it is to do it on the smaller scale because that's actually where the complexities come and that's where like international like sovereignty becomes an issue. Okay. Um, so their goal is to limit the amount of change that we can do as as a like species <laughs> to to the climate. And it's to prevent what people consider like the two degree Celsius death spiral okay right? so what's what's the first batch of most important things that are being done to it's to cut carbon emissions so it's an attempt to transition in europe primarily to nuclear energy okay. uh, which the united states has never been a fan of um, because we just remember chernobyl and then we're like what if that happened here right um so it it's to try to set out goals by both incentivizing states and um and international like corporate entities that are within the industrial like the, so like Exxon Mobil, right? There's been a lot of chatter about Exxon Mobil. They're they'd be a huge part of this, right? Um, it establishes a handful of like international groups to monitor the progress. It, it it's not really punitive. Okay. So it's a it's shared goals, obviously. Yeah. Is there an agreement to implement shared and similar legislation? Yes. Yes. So the the Paris Accord is kind of like the Ottawa Treaty. And uh, other other things. So, like, the Kyoto Protocol. It's similar to the Kyoto Protocol, if okay. you remember when the United States didn't sign that one either. I remember it by name and yeah. generally what it was. So but it, it sounds it, like it it's an attempt. more. It's an attempt to, by percentage, just limit the amount of carbon emission. That's it. And each country is – well, so the Paris course. Each country is left to decide how to reach those yeah, limitations so, how they want. So – Here's where it gets complex. So we can sign on because because it's a multilateral agreement. In the United States, that means that the executive office of of the federal government can agree to it, right? We'd still probably like to get it individually ratified, um, but other states have to get it ratified uh, by themselves. And states like uh, North African states like Rwanda, Central, they they've managed to get it passed. It's right. not. It's because it's there's no losing. Even if you don't right. hit these targets, there's no severe penalty. Um, so even China's on board. Right. Um, so, and the thing that's interesting is it's outside of, at least my understanding is that it's outside of the conventional UN General Assembly. So this was kind of like, imagine if you have a student government, right? But then a handful of students say, hey, we should have this festival, but everybody still goes to that festival too. Yeah. It's it's a really interesting piece of uh, international litigation um, that's not necessarily punitive. It just bounds these countries to try to achieve these goals. All right. So let's keep unpacking it because eventually toward the end here, I'd like to get to uh, answering the question about what are the practical implications of the U.S. pulling out and the their ability to affect the other nations that are involved in this uh, and their ability to, like, implement the goals. Um. No other countries will probably pull out of it. This will just be – so we can jump straight to that. I mean, I, I don't mind. So, okay, we've we've unpacked a bit that deals with the larger countries. Yeah. Let's talk about the smaller countries then 
because you'd imagine they have a harder time hitting those goals. Right. So this they're treated differently than the larger countries because they're framed as countries that don't have the they, financial or economic wherewithal to but they to, to do some of these. Yeah, things. and they also just don't emit as much. I mean, okay. the, it's it's like a graduated income tax of carbon sure. emissions. Yeah. You don't you don't put pressure on countries that aren't problematic. So the the issue here is the concern about states like Burma, right? They're right on the edge of being swallowed by the ocean. Right. Um, so it's an attempt to salvage these states, but also you don't want to put a hold on economic development in countries located in South and Central Africa, right? Because they have just been in a situation of post-colonial like democracy, and now they need to start to build industry. Was so, there was there built in the accord the accords the ability to modernize these countries so that they start to enter an industrialized capability? They're doing it in a more modern way. Um, I'm not as I'm not informed enough to discuss maybe that Those element of it, details. but okay. it's it's definitely been a part of the discussion. Okay, because especially when it comes to like. Even discussions pertaining to, like, indigenous populations and having to do with anything that has to do with the, with the international community and, and how, you, um, how you really address, like, international issues. And I, and I bring indigenous peoples into this because it, it affects both uh, larger states and states that are not as well-equipped right. to, deal with, to deal with these, these issues. Um, it has to change on a state-by-state basis. So what it comes back to with the, inter- with the international impact of the United States pulling out, it weakens the resolve of countries that were on, that were questioning whether or not they want to have the international community and primarily states like Germany and France breathing down their neck. Because that's what the Paris Accords kind of feel like to a lot of states, and that's what a lot of international so some of the states kind of no, they'll still ratify it. States usually still ratify it because it's important to be a part of the international discussions. So states like the Ottawa Treaty, right? Um, even if you're a state that's been torn up by civil war, and it's going to be hard to take um, to take landmines out of the ground, you'll still sign it because you need to be at the table, right? So if you look like a state that has an aloof international delegation right you're not going to be as relevant and your issues won't be won't be made important so you're describing a situation for some of these smaller countries where the now absence of the united states is going to worry them a bit more because some of these other larger countries are going to be able to exert more focused pressure whereas the u.s would have served as a buffer for that before actually that's a good point now that I think about it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really, really good point. Now that the United States is there, it's like they're losing – the United States was kind of almost acting as like a – as like a maybe as a, a cotton ball, right, in a cup. And now that it's been taken out, it's absorbing a lot less of the international pressure. So maybe states like – high carbon emitting states like Brazil, right, in, in South America are going to have an issue. It's interesting to me, though, because you just the way you described it before, there aren't consequences for not hitting the goals here. Not ones so that would be political really, pressure. Yeah, it would be political pressure primarily. There, there's no, there's no, the debate in like the winter and fall was that there should be sanctions on countries that 
pull out of the accords right, right after right. they ratify it. But that was never the case, and nobody was ever concerned about that because obviously sanctioning small countries that pull out of the Paris Accords because they can't reach the goals would right. be absurd and cruel. Yeah. But um, now the concern will probably be that without the United States there, it seems like the leaders of this initiative are going to be China and Germany, and those are weird international leaders to have. Maybe not Germany, but China. <laughs> So the concern then becomes... I think, so the, I just want to jump in there on China yeah. real quick. I think a lot of the concern is based off of past experience, uh, world history uh, with other nations yeah. that were aligned with kind of like communist politics, po- communist political systems, and not necessarily actual actions taken by China yeah. within the last 20 years. Because like we've mentioned earlier, they're spending more than anyone else They've made uh, taken they've, they've taken positions both domestically and internationally yeah. and laying out five, 10, 15, 20 year plans. To Particularly pertaining these. to parts of Western Africa, which are some of these states that would be well, affected. Well, that's the thing too. They're not only just doing it within their own country, yeah. but they're facilitating and enabling this across the rest of the world because they've gotten a foothold in many of these countries, like you said, especially in Africa where they've basically been left to their own devices. And it's mostly to drill oil. So And other things too, like just, just being... The supplier, just owning the logistics channels, whether it be sea, air, road, right? They've established all that infrastructure, just owning all the communications backbones, yeah, right? That all these countries are going to spin up and then lease time off of from China to run their cell phone networks and other stuff. But we're digressing into small. No, it's market. an important it's an important point to make, right? Um, so maybe the Germany China leadership. Isn't that terrible? It isn't terrible because they already have a presence. But the thing is, China's really only concerned about China. And that was kind of the difference that was supposed to be made between like... We're the same way. No, we we yeah, only care about we, we, enacting United we, States goals and influence around sure, the world. Sure, we, we, we like to be the leader of these initiatives, right? But states like Germany would like to think that they have concerns in mind outside of like the position of Germany, right? Right. Um, China is primarily concerned with their own development. Because they've only been in an economic boom for – they've only been in a series of economic booms since post-World War II. Right, right. Whereas the United States – I mean U.S. history teachers will say, well, it's after World War II. But the United States has been an international (laughs) player in in the global economy since before the Civil War. So, I mean, we know what it's like to to have control over our own production – China doesn't. Right. They're they're kind of a, a. They're they've played it historically a lot smarter than we have. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> quite I, a bit. That, but they're they're benefiting from being uh, in from the never having of been third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Right. Yeah. It, it, the game changes entirely as soon as you reach the top of the. Yeah, mountain. and and the thing is also if you look at just basic uh, history of the region, China never really had those same imperialistic interests that Not Europe really. did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously European countries measured their relevance and their importance with the amount of territory they had, whereas states in the East tend to do it uh, based on the impact that they had economically. So obviously I don't have a PhD in, in like Asian literature, so I can't like <laughs> – 
point out uh, different times at which this has been exerted because I'm just an average Joe. But um, it seems like the position of China going into deals like the TPP, well, essentially establishing their own Pacific partnership, and then allowing themselves to become the leader of solar energy, sure. uh, nuclear energy, which Japan arguably is actually, um, they're in a better position with this kind of stuff than the United States is. Germany will probably be in a better position than the United States is. That'll really irk Donald Trump because apparently they're the baddies. And he must have watched like a bunch. He must have watched like All Quiet on the Western Front and got like the wrong impression from it on the plane. <laughs> and now he's like, "Oh, Germany, they're really bad." Uh, but the guy won't read a presidential daily brief unless it's down to two pages with pictures. I don't think and he's watching. The, the, the Washington Post movies. article from a few months ago said that it had to include his name. Yeah. That was weird, right? Oh Imagine only reading things if it included your name. I'd have a very <laughs> hard time being informed. Like, I don't even think I'd be able to read like the school newspaper. Um, All right, well, let's dial it back. Uh, we got about five minutes here before we wrap sure. up. Sure. Let's definitely try to hit just real quickly. At a high level, the practical consequences, um, and I'll let you choose which one of the two you want to start with, the consequences from the United States not participating in these accords and implementing them, and then the consequences of them not being there to support financially the goals of the accords, which was to support these other nations. Even if the accords were every country gets to punch the United States once, we should have remained for the sake of an international presence. So we're in agreement on that. But now that we're out. Okay. What's going to happen? We lose influence, and there's an impact on any American industry that was going to reap benefits from this. So what happens specifically to the Accords' uh, likelihood of succeeding? It's mitigated, but not as significantly as like Americans would like to think that it is now. Okay. Uh, these countries will try to reach that goal. Um, I don't think France is, is dissuaded from the importance of of this agreement. I don't think France is. I mean, I don't think Germany is. I don't think Spain is. I haven't heard much from Italy. So, I, How much of the bucket of money that was going to go to these countries is no longer there? Or is going to have to be made up elsewhere? They'll make it up elsewhere. What's that? They'll make it up elsewhere. Okay. I mean, I think that was always something that was going to be impacted. So even if the United States remained in the Accords, I was assuming that the Trump administration and at least our diplomatic enclave was going to alter some elements of the agreement or at least just not commit as much. What's the likelihood that the fact that we're not participating now kind of derails the court's ability to hit the numbers that it wanted to hit? Because now that we're not participating, Again, it's, we mitigate, may have, it's well, mitigated. We may have private industry, cities, mayors, and states, governors say we're going we're gonna to abide by these plans, but we're losing all the Department of Defense. We're losing every federal agency. Yeah. We're losing all of the economic influence that the federal government has. And the thing has. is, the Department of Defense was pretty on board with the, the Paris Accords. But they can't go against Trump. Absolutely they, not. They have to go the opposite. I mean, I think they'll still implement uh, green energy. If you can imagine a green military, they'll still implement it because it's physically beneficial to them. <laughs> I, the, the the military was actually in an interesting position. They were for all of this stuff because it allowed mm-hmm. uh, them to spend less money on fuel. And that's yep. the only thing they care about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they'll probably st- – it, it, again, it'll be mitigated because the United States doesn't have a concrete goal that it needs to hit. Um, so – Yeah. But, uh, again, I think the one thing that will happen is the United States won't participate in this. The, the success of it uh, – 
is not impacted significantly. It is impacted because there's less funding to these initiatives, right? Particularly when it comes to the sciences. Yeah. Um, that that's what to me that's what was important. But again, I'm not a practitioner in the field discussing like the diplomatic implications of these things. So I don't know what it does to the United States positioning in the world. I know it's not good um, because I know that when the United States walks away from treaties, it looks kind of childish. The Ottawa Treaty still succeeded. The United States never signed on. The Kyoto Protocol eventually fell apart, but not initially when we left. Right. Um, the problem would be if the United States left and then other states decided, well, if the United States not, is not there, what's the point? If they're going to continue emitting what they're emitting, then what's the point of me altering uh, me, a state? The, the, the state of will altering the way it operates, right? Sure. If bigger states that are the real problem, right? The United, states like the United States, China, and India are the real problem. It, Myanmar <laughs> is not an issue. So it, it will impact the willingness of some states to cooperate to the same degree. But I, I don't know if it... There's still too many benefits to being in a healthy global environment. Yeah, and only time will tell. If you looked at the... If you took the temperature temperature of things right now, uh, it's pretty much global unity outside of Donald Trump and the the federal government behind the idea that this is a good thing and we all need to be on board. Short of the four countries that didn't sign up initially, so hopefully that sentiment continues. Hopefully that uh, commitment continues, and we're just gonna have to wait and see. Yeah, um, it's yeah. good to see all the support that's uh, coming out of private industry, uh, local states, local government, um, and it's an incredibly popular idea this idea that we should kind of take care of this planet and this resource that we have so and do it together. it's got that going forward as well yeah okay cool well this has been fun yeah appreciate all your uh, your insight thanks for doing the research i should have known jack so that's good I, i'm sure <laughs> that the one person that watches this will be like one star <laughs> i got something wrong well, probably we're, about we're, chinese we're history. about to break 30 subscribers so yeah. we're on our way it's angry <laughs> all right Good talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time.